Thanks for tuning into the Central Church Podcast. We exist to introduce people to Jesus and help them follow Him. To learn more about Central, access tons of content, and find the location nearest you, download our Central Church app. But for now, we hope you enjoy this message, and we're so glad you could join us today. today. So good to have you here. For those of you who I've not met personally, my name is Sean. I'm one of the pastors here at Central. Just so glad that you chose to join us here this weekend. Uh, I do want to say a very special welcome to those of you joining us at one of our central locations. A big shout out to Central Summerlin and Sunrise Mountain, the Southern Highlands, and also our friends in Kingman, Arizona. Great to have you. Uh, we also want to welcome our online audience. Uh, there's tens of thousands of people that join us every single week online, whether you're around the country or around the world. We consider you a part of our central family, and so welcome to you as well. And as always, a big shout out to our friends who join us through our partnership with God Behind Bars. We're so grateful for you. Welcome. Glad to have you with us this weekend. Uh, well, some of you know that, that one of the things that I'm really into right now is I really love endurance racing, and so I uh, really love running marathons. It's weird. I, I never thought I would do such a thing and have another one in about six weeks, and so the training process is quite rigorous, and I enjoy it for the most part. Uh, it's over the summertime when it's so hot that most of the time it pushes my training back inside, and so I have to do a lot of miles on a treadmill. I don't really like a treadmill. I mean, there's something about a treadmill when you, you work so hard, you sweat so much, you run so fast, and you go nowhere. I mean, it, it's kind of a frustrating process at some level. And I remember there was a long run that I was doing this summer, and, and, and it pushed me inside. I was doing it on a treadmill, and I was kind of slugging it out, you know, one mile at a time. And I don't really know when it was, but it's when the mileage was getting up a little bit, you get this kind of mind-numbing state where you just are not really thinking about anything. And I'm not really sure what happened. I think what happened is instead of running on the belt, I kind of drifted a little bit. I caught the, the side part that doesn't move for you. And somehow that tripped me up. And again, I think that's what happened, but I tripped up, I tripped myself, and I went flying off the back of the treadmill. Now, I'm at the local gym, right? And so I'm flying off the back, and there's all kinds of people around. So what do you do in the moment? Well, I picked myself up. I started stretching, you know, like that was intentional. That's what I meant to do. I don't think anybody was buying it, right? Uh, but there's kind of something about that, like the, the, the treadmill. Uh, I just kind of have a love-hate relationship with the treadmill. Because, again, you, you work so hard, you run so fast, you sweat so much, and you just go nowhere, maybe except for the hall of shame. That's the only place that I go. But you kind of think about that illustration of a treadmill. I, I think that, that so many times in life, we do the same things. We're, we're journeying through life. We're working so hard. We're slugging it out. It feels like we're running so fast, but we do everything that we do just to maintain the status quo. It almost feels like we're running so hard, but we're, we're not really going anywhere. And that's why this series has been so incredibly important for us as a church. I, I think that Pastor Judd has done a masterful job with the series, really, over the past three weeks. And he's done a great job kind of walking us through this paradigm. And this is a very simple paradigm, but, but kind of this three-step process that, that we can get off the treadmill of life. We can get intentional with what we're doing. We can be on purpose. And if we do so, we believe it will change who we are as a church. It will change who we are as individuals, that we will be better as a church, better as individuals, more impactful in this world if we get on purpose about these things. And so in week one, he talked about what it meant to just simply take the intentional choice of attending the weekend 
in order for us to experience God. In week two, we looked at what it looks like to invite a friend in order to share hope. Week three, Judd did a great job talking about taking a next step uh, that's all about us following Jesus. And today in week four, we're gonna wrap up this series and talk about what it means to give generously to rescue others. And again, these four different steps, very intentional steps, if we're intentional about it, very consistent about it, do it on purpose, I think that we'll see some amazing things that God will do in our church, in our lives, ultimately through us in a difference-making way in our world. And so again, today as we wrap up this series, we're gonna talk about what it means to give generously to rescue others. Now, I know as I say that out loud, some of us are already getting nervous, right? Because, uh, you know, money talks in church. You know, sometimes that that makes us a little bit nervous. But but hang with me. Uh, I think that you'll discover that you will be really glad that you're here this weekend. So really quickly, turn to somebody near you. Tell them, don't be nervous. You're going to be glad you're here this weekend. You're going to be glad you're here this weekend. Today we're going to dive in and talk a little bit about generosity. And specifically about generosity, as I understand it from a biblical perspective, what I understand is this, generosity is not something that God wants from you, instead it's actually what God wants for you. That God does some pretty incredible things, and so it's not what he wants from you, it's actually what he wants for you. And that's true in every single shape of the word. And so what I want to do today is I want to look at three different principles about generosity. They're located in different parts of the Bible, and so probably the easiest way to follow along is to follow along in the central app or the words of these different scriptures are going to show up on the screen as well. Uh, But I would encourage you to, to, to dial in and look at these different powerful principles about generosity. Here is principle number one. Generosity starts with God. Generosity actually starts with God. So I want to take us to the book of Philemon. It's a, it's a short little book in the New Testament. It's actually just one chapter long. Written by the Apostle Paul, wrote it to a really good friend of his name, Philemon. And here's what he says in Philemon chapter 1, verse 6. It says this. It says, I am praying that you will put into action the, the generosity that comes where? From your faith as you understand and experience all the good things we have in Christ. Did you, did you see where generosity comes from? As Paul says it, he says, generosity actually comes from your faith. In other words, generosity starts with God. Fundamentally who God is. God is a generous God. It's at the core of his being. It's the essence of his character. That's what's true about God. God is a generous God. And he's, he's generous in, in so many different ways. What are the, what are the words uh, that, that is used to describe generosity in Scripture? Uh, it's probably best illustrated in, in this way. Uh, one of the words for, for generosity that's translated generosity has the idea of like fully saturated, like full saturation. It's not like that if you see this as our life and you see this as, as God's generosity that you kind of like dip your toe in a little bit. That's not generosity. It's not like when you you are trying to test the temperature of a pool and you dip your toe in the pool and you're like, ooh, that's quite warm, you know? Uh, Generosity is not dipping your toe in the pool. Generosity is when you take a plunge in the deep end. That's kind of what it looks like. And so when you think about generosity in God's economy, God is a generous God. it's, It's the core of his being. And what God wants to do is he wants to saturate our life with his goodness so that our life begins to overflow with God's goodness. 
That, that's kind of who he is. He, he desires to saturate our life in such a way that, that his goodness becomes so overflowing our lives that it begins to pour into the lives of other people. I should have tested this illustration. Apparently, generosity is also very messy. But this is a picture of what God desires to happen in our life. What's true about God is he's a radically generous God that, that when it comes to God's love, he doesn't just give you a little bit of his love. God wants to saturate your life with his radical love. When it comes to God's grace, he doesn't want to just give you a little bit of grace. God wants to saturate your life with his grace. When it comes to God's forgiveness, God doesn't want to just offer you conditional forgiveness for the small stuff, like if you've done the big stuff, God's out. No. It says that God's a generous God, even when it comes to his forgiveness, that, that there's nothing in all the world that we've ever done that's outside the, the parameters of what God is able and willing to forgive. God's forgiveness is generous. It's overwhelming. It, it saturates our life. Here's what's true about God. Before God ever asks us to give anything, God asks us to receive. To receive is generosity. It's a really important thing, and let me maybe specifically talk to, to those of us maybe who are not yet followers of Jesus. Uh, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, I want you to know first and foremost, we're just so excited that you're here with us this weekend. Central is an amazing place. It's a pretty safe place for you to kind of kick the tires of faith, ask hard questions. We're not afraid of those things. We're just grateful that you're here. We're grateful that you're journeying with us. And again, this is a really safe place to work out your faith. And sometimes, again, when it comes to, you know, money talks around church, if you're not a follower of Jesus, we can get, you know, quite resistant to the conversation because it feels like somebody just wants something from me, that somebody's trying to get something from me. And sometimes that can create a barrier in our heart between us and other people. Sometimes it can create a barrier between us and the church. Sometimes it can even create a barrier between us and God. And so let me dispel any kind of myths that surround that. Let me be as crystal clear as I know how. God is not wanting something from you. God wants something for you. And maybe today, that's the next step that you consider in your own journey, not that you ever give anything, but today's the day that you receive everything. Today's the day that you receive God's overwhelming love for you. Maybe today's the day that you receive God's amazing grace for you. Maybe today's the day that you receive God's forgiveness. It's, it's a chance to receive joy like you've never experienced it before, a chance to receive eternal life, a chance to receive a new hope, a new chance, a new beginning, a new purpose. There's so much to receive from God. He's a generous God. He wants to saturate your life. He wants it to overflow, his goodness to overflow in your journey. Always understand this principle. Generosity doesn't start with us. It starts with God. And before we ever give, we have to learn to receive. And receive his goodness in our lives. That's the first principle. Generosity starts with God. Here's, here's the second principle that, that becomes you know, really important for us. That generosity will transform your heart. Uh, generosity transforms hearts. I, I want to take us back to the exact same verse we read earlier in the book of Philemon, chapter 1, verse 6. I'm just going to highlight uh, different words on the screen, so help me out with those highlighted words. It says this. It says, I am praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all the, the good things we have in Christ. And so here's what Paul's saying. He goes, he recognizes, hey, generosity, it comes from your faith. It all starts with God. 
But once you recognize that, that generosity is at the core of who God is, it's the essence of his being, it's, he can't help it, it's just a part of his character. So when we commit our lives to following him, our desire is to reflect the character of God the best way we know how. And so when we understand that's who he is, we aspire to be people, that that's what we want to be as well. And so what Paul says is because we receive that from God, he, he, he commissions us, he says, to put into action. And then notice what the action will do. It says so that we will experience the good things of Christ. There's something about giving that allows us to experience God's goodness, maybe in a really, really unique way. You know, I find with, with most people that I interact with, there's, there's really two different postures people take when it comes to their, their resources. And I would say it's the difference between living with an open hand and living with a closed fist. And you, you probably know what I'm talking about when I say those things. You know, living with an open hand means that I just recognize that everything really comes from God and, 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 and I'm just simply a steward of what he entrusts me with and I'm willing to share with all those around me, particularly those in need. Those who live with a closed fist say everything that I have is mine. And they'll do everything they possibly can to protect what they have that nobody else takes it from them. There's a very different posture between living open-handed and living with a closed fist. It, it reminds me of a, of a couple of weeks ago, I was, I was hanging out with my two sons. Uh, I feel like my wife has been a rock star all summer long. You know, rock star moms, maybe you know one, give them a high five. They're amazing people, right? And so my wife had been a rock star mom all summer long, and I kind of felt like she just needed a little bit of me time to herself. And so I said, you know what, I'm going to take the boys all day. We're just going to go do fun stuff all day, and that way you just have the margin to do whatever you like to do. And so uh, me and the boys, we, we had some fun. We, we went to the driving range and tried to hit some golf balls as far as we possibly could. We went to the park for a little while. We went fishing for a little while. Uh, but then kind of as the day was wrapping up, I looked at my kids and I said, how about this? You guys want some ice cream? And if you ever met a young person that's ever said, no, I don't want any ice cream, they're like, yeah, dad, let's, let's go. And so there's a kind of a favorite ice cream place for us. And so, you know, we drove to this particular ice cream place. Now, I'm trying to do my best to watch my sugar intake. So I had the great idea that I would order my kids a little bit extra, and then I would just eat off of theirs. I thought that was a great idea. And so... Uh, Levi ordered this chocolate ice cream with all kinds of stuff mixed in. Now, I'm not really much of a chocolate ice cream fan, and so Levi was smart. He created one that Dad didn't want. I, did, I didn't want to have anything to do with his ice cream. Now, Austin ordered this vanilla ice cream that was mixed in with some cinnamon cookie dough. When that lady handed me Austin's order, I felt like I was holding a piece of heaven. It was... It was amazing, right? And so I went ahead and handed it to Austin because that's what he wanted. And, and as he started eating, it made it look so good. And I finally said to, to Austin, hey, buddy, can I have a bite? And he looked back at me and goes, no. <laughs> I said, why not? And he said, because this is mine. Wait, what? At what point in the journey did that become yours? I mean, it was my idea to go get ice cream in the first place. I'm the one that drove us all the way here to our favorite place. I'm actually the one who knew what you wanted to order, and so I ordered it on your behalf. 
When it came time to pay, I took the money out of my wallet and gave to the individual. After they got done with the order, they put it in my hands. The only reason that it is in your hands right now is because I've done every single step along the way. You've done absolutely nothing. At what point in the journey do you think that that is yours? And at that point, he gave me a bite of ice cream, which I was grateful for. <laughs> now, I can give Austin a hard time about it, right? Where he says, no, it's mine. But how often do we live life in the exact same way? That when God asks us to give, our response to God is, well, this is mine. At what point do we think that what we have actually belongs to us? Uh, scripture actually says that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Uh, truly, everything belongs to God. All I am is a steward of what God entrusts me with. And sometimes God entrusts us with a lot, and sometimes God entrusts us with a little. It doesn't matter what we have or don't have. We recognize that everything we have ultimately belongs to God. My house belongs to God. My car belongs to God. My possessions belong to God. Every nickel in my bank account belongs to God. Now, for some of us that we go, well, if everything in my bank account belongs to God, God is flat broke, right? But truthfully, everything in, the, it's in my life, everything belongs to God. Now the truth is, we will live one of two ways in life. We will either be open-handed about what God has entrusted us to, or we will be closed-fisted about whatever that is. But the postures couldn't be any more different in what our experience ends up looking like. Those who are open-handed, and those who are willing to take what God has given us and steward it in such a way to make a difference in the lives of, of people and really invest it in, in God's mission in this world, here's what they'll discover. When you're open-handed, you're not just open-handed to give, you're also open-handed to receive. In other words, when I give, I actually receive amazing things that God gives me in the process. When I give, I'm open-handed to receive God's purpose, God's meaning, God's fulfillment. I receive great joy in ways that I would not receive any other way. When I'm open-handed, it's not only a posture to give, it's a posture to receive. It changes my life when I'm willing to live this way. And the challenge of living with a closed fist is when I close my fist, not only is this not a posture to give, it also puts me in a posture where I'm not able to receive the good things that God wants to give me in life. I mean, you kind of think about it. If you were to hold a ball right now and you throw it at me, say, hey, bro, catch it with your right hand, I, I couldn't do it. I, I couldn't receive it. And the challenge is, when we live life like this, we might have more material things, but we miss out on what actually matters most in life. I've never met anyone who lives life like this that actually had true joy in life. I've never met anybody who lives like this that had any true sense of purpose and meaning in their life. I've seen a lot of people who live life like this who have broken relationships because this posture creates a lot of distrust in people's journeys. From the outside looking in, people might feel like they've got everything, but internally, the experience is They've got nothing. So Paul says, put into action that generosity that comes from your faith. 
Because when you put into action, you actually receive so many good things that God wants to pour into your life. Here's what I believe really more than anything else. Let me take it one step further. Whatever you hold on to most will have a hold of you. Whatever you hold on to most in life will actually hold on to you. If I hold on to a substance the most, that substance will take a hold of my life. If I hold on to success the most, that drive for success will will consume me and, and sometimes it can actually unwire me. If I hold on to my possessions the most, they will consume me, they will have a hold on me. And whatever I hold back from God will hold me back. But when I'm willing to open my hands to God, what ends up happening is I not only open my hands to God, I open my heart to God as well. You see, generosity, when it's exercised in the right way, it actually is about our own personal transformation. God does amazing things in our lives and our journey. In many ways, I would say that, that, that generosity, it, it, it turbocharges our spiritual growth. It helps us become who God has created us to be. It, it matures our faith. It matures our life. It builds our character. It gives us great joy. It gives us great purpose. When you're open-handed to give, you receive more than you ever give away. You will never outgive God. You'll never outgive God. And so that's what's true about generosity that, that, that generosity starts with God, that, that generosity truly can transform our hearts. And here's the last principle that generosity fuels the mission. Specifically, generosity fuels God's mission in the world. Uh, Let me take you to a different part of the Bible. This is in the book of Proverbs. Uh, Proverbs is a fascinating book, and for the most part, you read Proverbs and you think, ah, that is so true, except for this proverb. And I remember reading it for the first time, and I'm like, that is so not true. Let me me, me tell you what it says. Help me out with the uh, the highlighted word. It says this. It says, the whole city celebrates when the godly succeed. No, they don't. Right? When it comes to somebody else's success, how well do we do celebrating the success of somebody else? Maybe you're a better human being than I am, but I, I many times I have a hard time celebrating the success of other people. So, you know, for example, we're, we're about to head into football season. I love football season. And imagine your team just gets beat by the rival. I feel a lot of things in those moments, but one of the things that I don't feel is celebrating my rival's success. It's not in me, right? Instead, I'm, I'm mad, I'm angry, I'm mad at the refs for that terrible call that cost my team, you know, whatever, right? I, I feel a lot of things, but celebration for somebody else's success is not one of those things. Or maybe somebody's personal success. You know, think about it this way. Uh, how, many, uh, how many of us get really fired up about another year of the success of the Kardashians. Anybody? Anybody think, man, they just made another $100 million. I'm so fired up for them. That, does, that, does that happen to anybody? Or, or you think about, you know, a, a star athlete signs a $400 million contract, and you think, oh, he is worth every penny of that, right? <laughs> it's not in us. You know, when somebody else is highly successful, we think a lot of things, right? Am I mad? Sometimes. Am I jealous? Most likely. Am I indifferent? Probably. Am I celebrating? Never. (laughs) And so what's up with this proverb that says, 
The whole city celebrates when the godly succeed. How is that true? Well, there's one situation that I will celebrate the success of somebody else. It was a few years ago that uh, an extended family of, uh, member of mine uh, was celebrating a birthday. And I called him on his birthday just to, to wish him a happy birthday. And when I called him and said, hey, happy birthday, he had a little extra kick in his step. He was actually really excited. And I said, you know, are you just really excited for another birthday? He goes, no, you'll never believe what happened to me today. I said, what? Tell me. He said, well, I went into a gas station and I felt, no, oh, it's my birthday. I'm going to buy a scratch-off lottery ticket. And so he bought a scratch-off lottery ticket, and he scratched it off, and he won $100,000 on a scratch-off lottery ticket. Now, it was one of the few moments that I was really excited for his success, but why was I excited? It's because I'm close enough that maybe I can get some, <laughs> right? That, that I'm close enough that maybe his success would bleed my general direction, maybe at least in part. That's why I'm excited for his success. Now, I don't know if that would come in the form of a small gift. Maybe he'd take me to play a really nice golf course. Maybe we can sit, you know, right behind home plate at a Cub game. I'm open for any of them, right? But I just knew that his success, I could be in somewhat a benefactor of his success. Let's take that principle and let's reread that proverb again. And I think we'll discover a really powerful truth. I'm going to highlight a different word, but read the same verse. Here's what it says. The whole city celebrates when the, when the godly succeed. You know why the whole city celebrates when the godly succeed? It's because somebody who's godly, they reflect the heart of God. God's a generous God. God's open-handed. God wants to saturate our life with his generosity. And when somebody is godly, meaning when they carry that same torch, when they reflect God's character in the world, here's what that means the city will be a benefactor of the godly success. When the godly succeed, everybody else around them wins, particularly those who are in need. And you kind of think about how that applies in our community. It's so incredibly true that every time we give, it gets connected to the amazing things that we see around here at Central. And there's so many different things that are, that are worth celebrating. You know, think about every single weekend when we come and we watch a, a life story, somebody's story that God has completely transformed, you know, completely turned around through the ministry of what God is doing here at Central. It is absolutely a story that is worth celebrating. You know, I think about the opportunity that we have to, to provide food for people in our community in need through our food pantry. And every time we get to, to bless a family in that way, that is absolutely worth celebrating. I think about young people who are involved in our different student ministries or young adult ministries. When a young person receives a, a clear direction and, and purpose in their life, that is absolutely worth celebrating. I think about, you know, those on a, on a, on a Friday night or, or Tuesday night at, at CR when they receive their chip, right? When they receive a, a, a sobriety chip, that is absolutely you know, worth celebrating. Every time a, a marriage gets reconciled, every time somebody comes up out of the water being baptized, which by the way, we got to celebrate 140 baptisms last weekend. It's amazing, right? But there's so much to celebrate what God is doing around here. But here's what I want you to know. 
There is a direct correlation between living open-handed and fueling God's mission and all the life change that we get a front row to see every single week. And I hope that you make the connection that every time you see a life change story video, you recognize that was made possible by people who chose to live open-handed. That every time you hear about a marriage getting reconciled, every time you hear about somebody getting a sobriety chip, every time you hear about somebody coming out of the battery, every single time you experience life change around your central, that doesn't just happen apart from people feeling God's mission. When the godly succeed, everybody wins. Because the godly live with open hands. Now, now maybe you're somebody who says, but, but Sean, I don't, I don't have a lot to give. That's okay. What's a little bit in our hands is a whole lot in the hands of God. What's a little bit in our hands, when placed in the hands of God, miraculous things happen. It's always been true. Again, you can trace it all the way back in, in Scripture. You, you think about stories that Jesus told of a, of a widow who didn't have a lot, who just gave a couple simple coins. And here we are hundreds of years later still telling her story because her act of generosity wrote her name in the eternal story of God. Uh, you think about a, a boy who was, uh, happened to be at a place where Jesus' and disciples were, and there's a whole crowd of people, some 5,000 people, they were hungry. And this simple boy, he, he, he just had a couple loaves of bread, he had a few fish, and it was very little, but he put it in the hands of God. And God did the miraculous. You think about a guy by the name of Joseph of Arimathea. We would never know who this guy is, except after Jesus' passing, he generously gave a tomb for him to reside. And his story is a part of the eternal story of God. That's not just about what happened in the Bible. That happens every single day when you and I live open-handed. When we take what God has entrusted to us and we're willing to fuel God's mission with this, your name, my name, gets written in the eternal story of God. And it doesn't matter how much. It's not about a percentage. It's about our participation. That we're willing to allow God to use us in a difference-making way, and we're gonna do it on purpose. We're gonna be intentional. We're gonna be consistent. We're gonna allow our God, our God to do amazing things in and through our life. So let me challenge us a little bit this weekend. Let me maybe, maybe make three different challenges. I wanna encourage you, wherever you're at in your journey, just simply take a next step. And maybe for some of us, as we walked in, as I, as I talked about it a little bit earlier, your next step has nothing to do with what you give. Your next step is what you receive. If you've never received God's amazing love, his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness, his second chance he wants to extend to you, his new beginning, his new life, his eternal life that he gives to you, maybe God brought you here not to give a single thing, but to receive everything. And if that's your next step, I wanna encourage you to take that step today. And maybe I can encourage you in this way. Will we all just simply 
even physically take a posture that we just are open-handed literally in this moment. Uh, everybody right here in this room, just go ahead and you know, open your hands. Everybody watching at one of our central locations, watching online, if you're joining us through our, our, our partnership with God behind ours, right here. For some of us, God's just simply asking us to receive, and we're gonna be open-handed to receive that. For others of us, we've received that from God. And now we want to put into action what God has saturated our life with. And there's a few ways we can take that step, you know, even here this weekend. And so if you're willing to be open-handed, uh, one of the kind of introductory ways that we've, do, we've, we've created around here is, is, is what we call becoming a generosity rock star. And there's a lot of ways to become a generosity rock star. We define that as somebody who's willing to give $20 a week, recurring online. It's just a way to be consistent, a way to be intentional, a way to fuel God's mission. And if you've not done that, we would encourage you to join the almost 1,500 people at Central that we call Generosity Rockstars. And if you want to jump on a winning team who are fueling the mission to see life change happen every single week, there's a lot of ways you can jump in. We just want to make it as easy as possible for you. There's an envelope that you can fill out, and, and, and if that's the, the, the best way for you, you can fill it out. You can give it to somebody on your exit. You can take it to a booth in the lobby, whatever, whatever serves you best. Or if you'd like to, you're gonna find some people with red shirts in the lobby and if you'd like for somebody to help you out, if you have questions about it, that's why they're there, they're willing to help. Or there's a whole table again uh, in the lobby here and at all of our central locations. You know, the, the people are ready for you, we're, we're here to help. And if that's your next step, I would encourage you, jump in the game, be consistent. Join God in his mission. You will find that as you give, you receive way more than you ever gave. And maybe for others of us, we've been a generosity rock star for a long time. And if that's you in your journey, maybe I would encourage you to take even a next step and, and move toward what the Bible would call tithing. Uh, tithing is an ancient practice, been around all, all the way since biblical times. Millions and millions of people have done it all throughout history. Uh, tithing literally means that I'm gonna commit at least 10% of my income back to God and I'm gonna give it on a consistent basis. Uh, Lindsay and I have done this our, our entire marriage, and I will tell you, so much of who I am today has been shaped by living open-handed in this way. So grateful for what God has done in my life as, as we just kind of commit a piece of what he's entrusted us with every single week. If you want to take a step in that direction, again, there's people who will help you out in that journey. But here's what I want to ask you to do. I, I just want to say a prayer for you. And if you would, again, just kind of put your hands up like this, and I'm just going to say a prayer just asking God to bless every single one of us. Father, today we just come before you and God, we're just open-handed. And Father, each one of us possibly has a very different next step, but I just ask you give us the courage to take a step. Father, for those of you who've never received your goodness, God, at this moment, as they have their hands open to you, could they receive that from you today? God, overwhelm their, their, their life with your love, your grace, your mercy, your forgiveness your joy, your new life. Father, for others of us, as we feel compelled to join you in your mission and to give to rescue others, God, would you keep our posture open-handed? Would you compel us to live and put into action to take this next step? Sometimes it's fearful. Sometimes it requires courage, but God, give us the courage and the faith to take a step and be faithful to you. Because you're a God who's been so faithful to us. God, we love you. We live open-handed to you. We pray that in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.